following message is presented by First Baptist Church of Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Now the message. Sole purpose of this series that we are going through right now. Open our ears, Lord. Things that I wish I would have learned as a young adult, a teenager, how exactly to hear from the Lord, how to hear His voice more clearly than ever before. We are on part four of this series. If you have your Bibles this morning, we'll start off in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, we talked about Moses last week. I, I couldn't hardly get off of uh, the character of Moses uh, without talking more about how God spoke to him and how at a time when God spoke to him, his entire countenance changed completely. So much so that everyone noticed that he had been in the presence of the Lord. Is there a change going on in your life? When is the last time you've had a mountaintop conversation with the Lord? In so much that your entire countenance changed. And when you came out of your prayer closet, when you came out of your quiet time, Everybody that knew you well looked at you and said, man, something's different about you. What, what took place? What happened? What, what caused this transformation in your life? And so this week and next week, uh, we're going to be talking about a specific location where conversations like that took place. Last week, we talked about Moses and his initial calling. He was in a place called Mount Horeb, also known as Mount Sinai. Uh, where God gave him the Ten Commandments. We're going to be talking about this next week when we talk about the prophet Elijah. This is a place where the Lord brought the prophet Elijah and spoke to him uh, through a fire, through a wind, and through an earthquake as well. But tonight, uh, this morning, excuse me, this morning we're going to talk about a time when God gave Moses the second set of commandments. It wasn't a different set. Uh, Moses came down from the mountain the first time, found the children of Israel worshiping a golden calf, and he smashed the original tablets with the Ten Commandments written on him. So God then brings him back up again to this point where we're at, and for 40 days, Moses and the Lord spoke about these commandments. And Moses met with the Lord, and when he came back down this second time with the second set of commandments, everybody noticed that something different had taken place in Moses' life. And so a lot of entrepreneurs and business people these days, uh, you ask them what the secret of success in a business is, they say there's three keys. <laughs> location, location, location. Where you're at has a lot to do with your success or your failure. Where do you meet with the Lord at? Where can you have one of these mountaintop conversations? Last week in our sermon... We talked about Moses was leading the flock of his father-in-law. He went to the backside of the wilderness. He was in a place of isolation. God gave him a confirmation. Moses bowed down in adoration as he heard God's voice coming from the burning bush. We found out that the people of Israel were crying out in desperation, and that's what led the Lord to speak to Moses and raise up a deliverer for them. And then God provided Moses with some miraculous signs that gave Moses an affirmation that this is what God wants me to do. So we're going to continue on with basically that same theme about a transformation that took place in Moses' life. And this was so significant that in 
2 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul wrote about it. So if you'll stand with your copy of God's Word in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to look and see what the Apostle Paul had to say about this situation. And uh, then we will go back to the book of Exodus and look at the actual account itself. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. It says, Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded, for until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Can somebody say amen to that? That was exactly what we sang about just a few moments ago. But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. This transformation that we're going to talk about today, it doesn't just happen haphazardly. It doesn't happen accidentally. There has to be some intentionality to it. That's the whole crux of the matter that we're talking about in this sermon series. Open our ears. How can I hear the voice of the Lord more clearly now? doesn't matter if you're 8 years old or 80 years old. There comes a point in your time where you say, I've got to hear God's voice. Maybe it's been a long time since you've heard the voice of the Lord. Maybe you've never had the Lord speak to you. Maybe today is the day when he's going to speak to you. And that veil is going to be removed and that transformation will begin to take place. But you have to be ready and you have to expect it to happen. Father God, we love you so much and we thank you for this day and for all that you're doing. Lord, through this word and through this account of Moses and what happened in his life, Lord, I just pray that you would reveal to us what we need to see in this passage. I pray, Lord God, that you'll speak to us. Lord, I pray that you'll continue to speak to me. Lord God, you've shown me so much uh, in these past four or five weeks since I've been preparing this sermon series. I know there's a lot left to come, Lord God. I know that there are many other individuals recorded in Scripture that you spoke to face to face as you did with your servant Moses here. But I pray today as a congregation, Lord God, that you would speak directly to us, Lord God, and help us to apply what we hear today and undergo that transformation that you want for us. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So over the past few years, I've discovered something that I really, really like to do. Every now and then, uh, I've got an electric smoker. Uh, I like to get uh, ribs. I like to get steaks. I like to get pork roast, and I like to load them up in the smoker and turn that thing on and let it go all day. Man, the smoke will start drifting through the neighborhood, and people will be looking out their front door, seeing where the smell is coming from. I like to get the barbecue pit out, grill some fish or whatever I may have. And usually when I light the grill or the smoker, 
Uh, it's not just one little piece of meat, but I'll usually load it down. But I found out that preparation goes a long way in this process. You don't just wake up one morning, go out to Rouse's, buy a piece of meat, and just throw it on the grill. Everything from preparing the meat to preparing the smoker or the barbecue pit or whatever it may be uh, takes some time. So usually what happens, it starts off with just a big piece of meat. Right here I got a couple of pork tenderloins. Uh, happens to be one of our favorites to throw on the barbecue pit. But I wouldn't take this out of the wrapper and just throw it on the fire right away. There's a lot more involved in that process. There's a preparation that takes place because I'm expecting this to have a real strong smoky flavor to it. I, I love something that is smoked uh, a long time. So I'll usually take it out of this wrapper. That's the first part of the process. Usually I have several different types of marinades or rubs. Uh, there has to be an application that takes place. Uh, the flavor that is in these spices does not just get on there by itself. I have to take the meat and lay it out and I have to rub it on there. Or it may have something uh, that's an injectable liquid, something that you want to soak into the meat uh, that you want to get inside of there. And that way when it's cooking, it releases that flavor throughout all the meat. Now that liquid doesn't just get in there by itself. Sometimes I have to take and use something to insert in there to really make sure uh, that it is applied in the proper places where it needs to be. Sometimes this piece of meat, I know, uh, what is a piece of meat? It's just a muscle. It's a muscle off of an animal. And if you've ever been through a tenseful situation, you know that sometimes uh, your neck uh, muscles and your shoulder muscles uh, get tensed up. Uh, maybe it's a business meeting. Maybe it's a counseling session that you've been through. Something that's gotten you nervous, heavy traffic, whatever the case may be. So to loosen up that muscle, I want to apply something that kind of tenderizes it. I want to prepare it. I want to get it as tender and moist as possible. All of this is part of the process. Now, I don't just do that and throw it right on the pit. A lot of times I'll let it soak overnight. So there has to be a time, uh, an intentional time of waiting involved there. And man, I'm looking forward to it. I know what it's going to taste like when it comes off of the grill. But all of this is part of that transformation process of just taking a raw piece of meat with very little flavor to it, adding all the necessary ingredients, applying whatever I want to, and then that waiting process while it's being smoked, while it's being cooked, carefully uh, cooked and, and prepared before it comes out tasting great. That's the same way it is with us and God's Word. There is a time of preparation that has to take place before this transformation actually begins. So we see this going on in the life of Moses. Moses is being called back up to Mount Sinai uh, to make another set of tablets. The first thing we see to hear from the Lord frequently, we must show up with a heart filled with expectation. Point number one, you've got to have a heart filled with expectation. When you got out this morning and you decided you were going to come to church, what were you expecting to happen when you got here? Did the preparation process start last night? Did you say something's going on in my life? I need to hear from the Lord. Did you get up this morning and say, I've got everything else ready, but now I've got to get my heart ready 
to hear from the Lord. I've got to cast aside all of those burdens, all of those cares, all of those roadblocks, everything that has become an obstacle in my life that has kept me from hearing from the Lord. I'm expecting to hear from him today. Can anybody say amen? Amen. Were you showing up this morning expecting to hear from the Lord? What does God, the Lord tell to Moses? Let's look in uh, Exodus chapter 34. The first five books of the Bible are called the Pentateuch. They are books that Moses himself wrote. So Moses is giving an account, a personal account of what took place on that day. Moses is making two new tablets with the Ten Commandments on there. And in verse 1 of Exodus 34, it says this, And the Lord said to Moses, Cut two tablets of stone. Moses was the first person with a wireless tablet that you can download information upon. And here God did exactly that. He's giving him ten commandments because he wants the people to know beyond the shadow of a doubt, here's the guidelines that I want you to follow. So he had to prepare himself by bringing these two tablets of stone just like the first ones. And I will write on these tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Here's the part that a lot of people are going to have a lot of trouble with. So be ready in the morning (laughs) and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. Do you see the intentionality involved? It wasn't just haphazard. It didn't happen by accident. But God is giving Moses a prescription here. Moses, if you want to hear from me, if you want a word to give to your people, here's what you got to do. There's a preparation involved before the transformation takes place. And no man shall come up with you and let no man be seen throughout all the mountain. Let neither flocks nor herds feed before that mountain. So he cut two tablets of stone like the first ones. Then Moses rose early in the morning and went up to Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him. And he took in his hand the two tablets of stone. If you were to say that there's any phrase in that quick passage that's more important than anything else, what would you say it was? Not necessarily that the Lord was speaking to him, because the Lord could have told Moses exactly what to do. And maybe Moses wouldn't have done it. But Moses was expecting to hear from the Lord. So I think the most important words happens in verse 4. As the Lord had commanded him. When is the last time that God spoke directly to you and you did exactly what the Lord told you to do? That's all part of hearing from God. But you've got to come to the Lord with an expecting heart. God, I'm expecting to hear from you. I don't know what it is. I don't know what you're going to ask me to do. I don't know where we're going to go. I don't know who we're going to see. I don't know what the situation is going to be. But Lord, just like like this piece of meat that we brought out, I'm laying it out before you, Lord, and I want you to prepare me for something good. I want to undergo a transformation that only you can bring, and that is what I'm expecting in my life today. He says, no man shall come up. Moses, I'm not talking to anybody else, but I'm talking to you. You are my servant. You are my messenger. And I want you to come to me with a heart expecting to hear. I want you to come to me with a heart that is prepared to hear. And I don't want anybody else to join you. As a matter of fact, I don't want any distractions involved. Leave the flocks behind. 
Leave the herds behind. So you in your quiet time, do you get up every morning expecting to hear from God? Do you make provisions to hear from God? Do you bring you two tablets? God, I'm going to write down whatever it is that you speak to my heart about. I love going back through some of my old sermon notes. I don't keep necessarily a diary, but my sermon notes are my diary. There are a lot of personal notes in there as well. There are some things that you'll never hear and never see. There are a lot of things that don't go into these sermon outlines. But anytime I get together with the Lord, whether it's a quiet time, whether it's a study time, I always have something to write with and write on to record my thoughts. Because I like going back over them and looking over them. Do you journal? Do you write down what the Lord reveals to you? Donald Whitney in uh, his book, The Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life, he had this to say about journaling. He said, a journal can be the means by which the Holy Spirit shows us areas of sin or weakness, the emptiness of our path we have chosen, insight into our motives, or other things that can transform the journal page into an altar of seeking God. God, I'm waking up this morning. I'm coming with my tablets. I'm coming with a prepared heart and I'm expecting you to say something to me that's going to transform my life for today. I'm expecting you to say something to me that is going to prepare me for the day in any conversation that I may get into. I'm going to speak to the youth for just a moment here. Junior high, elementary, high school, wherever you're at. God wants to speak to you as well. And the earlier in your life that you can learn to hear God's voice, the earlier in your life that you can learn to get along with the Lord, unplug your, your phone, your computer, your laptop, your tablet, turn the TV off, whatever distraction may be in your life, and say, God, I want you to speak to me. The earlier you can learn to do that, the better off you're going to be. The more productive you're going to be for the Lord and the less likely you will be to fall into temptation at some point in your life. If you will build those spiritual exercises right now, earlier in your life, the better off you're going to be. Or maybe you're up in age. Maybe it's been a long time since the Lord has spoken to you. But when is the last time that you put everything aside and say, God, I want something fresh. I want something new. God, yesterday's manna is rotten, it's spoiled, it's full of worms. I want some fresh bread. Give us this day our daily bread so that I can continue to impact the lives of those around me and mentor those who need it. The next we need to see this. Not only did Moses show up expecting to hear from the Lord, but what the Lord told him he applied to his life. Not only do you need to show up with a heart filled with expectation, but to hear from the Lord frequently, you must be ready to practice application. This does me absolutely no good if I don't apply it to what I'm about to cook. In this bottle by itself, I can't smell it, I can't taste it, I can't feel it, and it can't be applied like this. I have to take it out. And I have to rub it in generously. I have to let it sit. I have to let it soak. And it's the same way with God's word. 
It does you no good to get into this book if you're in it just for information. You need to be in it for application as well. Can you explain your faith to another person? If not, you study it until you can. Be ready to apply your faith, not only by practicing, but by sharing as well. Dallas Willard in his book, Renovations of the Heart, had this to say. He said, and so we must apply our thinking to and with the Word of God. We must thoughtfully take the Word in, dwell upon it, ponder its meaning, explore its implications, especially as it relates to our own lives. What are we to do in light of the facts of the gospel and the revelation of God and the human destiny contained in the Bible? We must pay greater attention so that we do not drift away from it. That is a quote from Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1. He said we must thoughtfully put it into practice. Once you apply God's word to your life, It begins to soak in. It begins to saturate. It begins to permeate every pore of your being. Just like this seasoning, just like this liquid, everything here is intentionally put on and applied so that it will add and enhance the flavor of what I'm trying to cook. You see, the Bible is not just a book that you read. The Bible is a book that reads you. It shows you exactly what you need to see. It's just like looking in the mirror. Sometimes you get up in the morning and say, oh, good, no, that can't be right. (laughs) That's what God's Word does. It reveals the real you to yourself so that you can see what God is seeing. The Bible is not just a book that you read. It's a book that reads you. You don't just simply get into God's Word. God's Word has to get inside of you to make that transformation. You've got to apply what God's Word has to say. This transformation is only accomplished when you take God's word and you apply it to your life. Verses 10 through 14. Look real close at what it says in verse 10. He says, Behold, I make a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation and all the people among them whom you are. Uh, shall see the work of the Lord. You shall see the work of the Lord. You'll apply it. It's growing in your life. It's doing something. It's producing something. Verse 11, he says this. He says, observe what I command you this day. Don't just hear it, but observe it. Study it. Gaze closely into it and let it permeate your whole being. Behold, I am driving out from before you the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. And down here we're expecting him to say the termite, and the Skeeterbite, and the Tickbite. But he's saying all of these promises I'm giving you in the word, in the covenant that I'm making with you. He says, take heed to yourself lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you are going, lest it be a snare in your midst. But you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, and cut down their wooden images. For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord 
whose name is whose name is jealous is a jealous God. God expects you to take this book and apply it to your life. Apply it to your thought process. Apply it to your decision-making process. He says, I want you to obey these commandments that I give you. I want you to take heed to them because they are a warning to you. Not only would God give a second set of stone tablets here, but later on in the book of Deuteronomy, before they go into the promised land, God reiterates these words. He says, these are the words that I want you to apply to your life when you go in to the promised land that I'm giving you. Not only must there be expectation, there must also be application. And not only with that application, but time and time again, you need to replay those words in your mind. You need to meditate on it. To hear from the Lord frequently, we must meditate on what we've heard through reiteration. You know, one of the things that I struggle with in my sermons and in my preparation is saying the same thing over and over and over again. I hope that I'm not sounding repetitive. But a lot of times that's what we need. We need that reiteration in our life. Whenever God is speaking something to us or trying to change something to us, just like this repetitive process of tenderizing this meat over and over and over again, I want to soften up those tough muscles. I want that tenderizer, that seasoning, that flavoring to be able to break through. I don't want a, a, a tough piece of meat when I cut into it. I want it to be I want it to be tender. I want it to be moist. I want it to be juicy. But it has to be uh, pounded. It has to be tenderized. And then that seasoning, that uh, the injectable stuff, it has to be soaking in. You have to give it time to saturate what's been applied. Here's the thing about God's Word. Here's the thing about the messages that God gives us. If it's significant... If it's important, if, the, if it's something that God is trying to get your attention with, he will keep telling it to you until it sinks in. He's going to keep reminding you of it until you get it. And then eventually, one of these days, after he's repetitively spoken that word to you, after you've read it time and time again, after you've heard it in a song, after you've heard it in your devotional, soon enough, you're going to have that aha moment where that light bulb is going to go off and say, oh, now I see what God has been trying to say to me. Now I see what he has been trying to reiterate into my life. Repetitive. Rote memory. Hearing the same thing over and over and over again until it sinks in. Jesus told Peter three times, in the same setting, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Not just once, not just twice, but three times. Peter, feed my sheep. Peter, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Because it was an important message that he had for the apostle Peter. So he repeated it. Joshua chapter 1. If you want to write this verse down. Here's what the Lord told to Joshua after Moses had passed away. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do all according to the law. 
which Moses, my servant, commanded you. There's that application that we talked about just a moment ago. Do not turn to it from the right hand or the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Look closely at what it says next. But you shall meditate in it day and night. Repetition, reiteration, hearing it over and over and over again until it becomes a very part of your nature and your being. That you meditate on it day and night. That you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Repetition. The Jewish children, they were taught a phrase in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, known as the Shema. And every morning they would repeat this same thing. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, He is one God, and you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. Why? Because they wanted that to be a part of their very being. So they would repeat it each and every morning. God said, not only do you repeat it, but you write it on your doorpost. That way when you're going out of your house, it's a reminder. Whatever I do today, I'm going to love the Lord God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Whenever you come back into your house, there it was on the doorpost again. It was reiterated time and time and time again. This reiteration is accomplished through meditation and memorization. How long does it take for you to memorize something? If you want to hear from God, if you want to have those mountaintop conversations, if you want to undergo this transformation. When I was in school, I heard that if you read something 20 times, you'd have it memorized. It didn't always work. There are different forms of memorization, different techniques. Uh, I looked at one of them. It was called the 7321 method. Uh, you read it once today. You read it again tomorrow. That's your second time. You read it again the day after. That's your third time. And then on the seventh day from your first reading, you read it again, and it'll be locked in. I don't know about that. Uh, I might give it a try one of these days, but it sounds a little too complicated to me. Isaiah 28, verses 9 through 13 tells us that God will speak to his people repeatedly. He says, I'm going to speak to you precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little, He says, I'm not going to give it to you all at once, but I'm going to reiterate the things that are important. I'm going to teach you a precept, and I'm going to teach it again and again and again. I'm going to give it to you line by line, thought by thought, here a little and there a little. What are some things that we memorize all the time? Before the days of cell phones, we used to memorize telephone numbers all the time. My wife still remembers our phone. Home phone number when we were dating. I remember hers. We remember social security numbers. We remember important dates and birthdays. Here's the thing about reiteration. Here's the thing about meditation and memorization. If it's important to you, you're going to remember it. How important is God's word to you? How important is learning something about this transformation process. Something that's really going to be significant in your life. 
taking a verse, a life verse, maybe one verse a week, maybe one verse a day, you may be able to memorize. You may have that photographic memory. But if it's important to you, you're going to remember. You're going to find a way to remember it. God didn't just haphazardly meet with Moses. It was a special place, and it was also for an extended period. God didn't just take one day and teach Moses all of this. For 40 days, Moses was on the mountain, alone with God, no other human being, no other animal or distraction. God had his undivided attention, and he gave him the most important set of documents ever recorded. Documents that we still use today. If you're looking for something to memorize, that might be a good place to start. How many of the Ten Commandments could you spout off right now if I had you write them down? Could you name them one by one in order? Are they important to you? Perhaps that would be a good place to start with your memorization process. But 40 days, Moses had to get away from all of the people. We see the first pastor's retreat taking place right here. We see the first Bible conference, the first extended Bible study. The number 40 in Scripture always represented a time of testing or a time of trial. When is the last time you spent 40 days trying to learn a truth from the Lord? When's the last time you spent 40 minutes getting along with the Lord? Nobody else. Nothing to interfere what God is wanting to speak to you. Not even the dog or the cat. Nothing but just you and God for an extended period of time with a heart of expectation prepared to hear something from the Lord. And next we see that when all this took place, Moses underwent an enormous transformation. Let's look at verses 29 through 35. This is exactly what Paul was referring to here in the book of Corinthians. Now it was so when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand when he came down from the mountain that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the children of Israel came near and he gave them his commandments, all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out. And he would come out and speak to the children of Israel, whatever he had been commanded. And whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, at the skin of Moses' face, Shown. Then Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him. Point number four, be willing to undergo a transformation. To hear from the Lord frequently 
You come expecting to hear from him. But you say, Lord, I want to be transformed into something different. I I want my entire countenance to just radiate with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul spoke about in Romans chapter 12. He says to be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of the Lord. Be willing to undergo transformation. Moses was 80 years old when the Lord called him from the burning bush. Moses is now 80 plus years old, yet he was willing to not only be used by God, but also to be changed by God. John Maxwell had this to say. He said, when you're through changing, you're through. (laughs) It's all over with. When you say, I've reached the end, that's nothing more. You're through. You're done. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 says that we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. Sounds like a good caption to put over a baby nursery, don't it? We're not all going to sleep, but we're going to be changed. Some of us need to be changed. I know I need to be changed. I know I need to have that mountaintop conversation on a regular basis. And when I show up for my quiet time, I'm showing up expecting to hear from God. 2 Corinthians 5.17, the Bible says that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. He undergoes a transformation. The Word of God can take the darkest soul and penetrate it with the purest of lights. Why did the face of Moses shine? I've asked that a lot in the past week or so. Why did the face of Moses shine? Because God's word brings light to all who will hear from it. Moses went up to the mountain expecting to hear from God. And he got a word from God and it changed his entire being. He was illuminated from what he saw in God's word. He was illuminated from what he heard from the Lord. Scripture refers to itself as many different things. It refers to itself as a hammer. It pounds out the impurities. It refers to itself as a fire. It refers to itself as a sword. But more often it refers to itself as a light. It illuminates the person who will read it. You can write these down. Don't don't turn to them, but just listen to what the Word of God has to say. Psalm 119, 105. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Moses' light, his path had been illuminated by the light of God's word. Psalms 119, verse 130. The entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. When is the last time God's word has entered into your life in such a way that it illuminates your entire being? Psalms 119, 135, make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. Proverbs 4, 18 says that the path of the just is like a shining light 
It shines brighter unto the perfect day. Why is that? Because God's word is inside of us. Proverbs 6, 23, For the commandment is a lamp, and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Here's what the apostle Peter had to say about it. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Why did Moses' face shine? Two reasons. He had been illuminated by God's word. And second, I think God made his face to shine to get the attention of the Israelites because the first set of commandments didn't do the trick. So God gave him another set and an illumination to really, really catch their attention. What did it say? Aaron and them, they were afraid when they saw Moses' face. Moses didn't know what was going on. He didn't know he had been through that transformation. But the people around him saw a difference in his life. Folks, I want you to see that it's not our opinions that will change people. It's God's word. Your opinion is not going to change anybody because they have an opinion just like you do. But when you throw the truth of God's word at them, it makes a change in their life. It makes an impact. Isaiah 55, 11 says this, So shall my words be that go forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it will prosper in the thing for which I send it. What has God spoken to you today? Are you ready to have that mountaintop conversation? I've just given you probably one of the most practical and most applicable sermons that I can think of. It's a prescription for you to be able to hear from the Lord. Are you expecting to hear from Him? Are you reading the Bible for information? Or are you reading it for transformation? Are you ready to apply what God shows you in His Word? So, Brother Tracy, I haven't heard anything new from the Lord in a while. Well, go back to the last thing that God asked you to do and do it. Why would he tell you something new when you didn't do the last thing he told you to do? Is there something that God is continuously reiterating in your life? Maybe it's the point you need to stop and spend some time. Maybe you need to spend 40 days working on that one matter itself. Perhaps he's reminding you over and over and over again in a song. Somebody's saying the same thing to you. Maybe you're hearing it from multiple places. Maybe that's the reiteration that God is trying to remind you of. But most importantly, are you being transformed by His Word? What does God's Word have to say about transforming a person? Why do we need to be transformed? Why do we need to be changed? Because we're all infected with a thing called sin. The Bible says that we've all sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. And that is not God's will for our life. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, a separation from God for all eternity in a place called hell. A place that God does not want us to go. A place that we were not created to go. A place that is not created for 
God's people. But the good news is, is the Bible says that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Why do I say those every time? That's that reiteration. That's that repetition. That is that rote memorization. Hopefully it will sink into your mind enough to where someone asks you one of these days, how, how can I be saved? How can I know Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior? And your memory will do like this. It'll go, I remember what Brother Tracy said. I've got to admit that I'm a sinner. I've got to believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I've got to confess him as my personal Lord and Savior. And then that transformation from darkness to light will begin to take place. Has God illuminated an area of your life today? Every head bowed and every eye closed. In just a moment, we're going to sing a couple of verses of a closing hymn. This will be our invitation time. This will be a time for you to respond to what the Lord has spoken to you. This is the time for you to make that application that we talked about just a moment ago. God has revealed something to your heart. And it's not going to do you absolutely any good unless you're willing to apply it and do something about it. And God has promised in his word that his word will go out and it will accomplish what it's set forth to do. But you must be willing to undergo that transformation that we've been talking about. Perhaps you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. This invitation time is for you. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. And whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. But you've got to make it a public confession. Jesus said, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I also confess before my Father which is in heaven. Let today be that day. If you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Heavenly Father, I lift up this invitation time to you. I place it in your control, Lord God. It's yours to do with as you please. I don't know where each and every person here stands in their salvation. I don't know what they would say, Lord God, if they were asked a question where they would spend eternity at, but I know that they could settle that matter right here and right now. And Lord, even if there's a believer here that you haven't spoken to in a while that has not heard your voice in some time, Lord, I pray that their hearts would now be receptive to what you have to say to them. But above all, Lord God, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I pray that you would give us a liberty during this invitation time for people to respond to what you're asking them to do. And we just ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's the preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about First Baptist Church, including contact info, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.